Hi, I'm Neil Stavum. Here's the podcast for Connecting Faith. Enjoy the conversation. Real conversations about how we live out our faith every day. Welcome to Connecting Faith. Thanks so much for tuning in to Connecting Faith. I'm Neil Stavum, Ted Ross, running the controls as always. And Ted, you know, the, the title of our program is Connecting Faith. Connecting mm-hmm. is sort of the big word today, isn't it? It is, and it's so easy to do. We have these little handheld computers that double as cell phones. <laughs> we That's carry around true. with us all, all over the place. And it's so easy to get on the screen and just get information, connect with people. It's amazing. Well... Yeah, in theory, we're connecting, yeah, but are we really? Yeah. You know, how do we really connect with our family in uh, in a world full of technology? They shut off the phones, right? Well, we're going to talk about it today. We've got a conversation coming up to talk about the screen balanced family: six secrets to a more connected family. In the 21st century, which is definitely uh, the world we're living in. Yeah. So. Now, the phones do have their place, though. I mean, we have the Faith Radio app. You can download that for free at iTunes or Google Play. Search for Faith Radio Network and stay connected to us. Well, today on Connecting Faith, we're going to spend some time talking about how we can build emotional safety in uh, raising our kids and address some real issues that the parents are facing today. One of those is... The issue of screens and uh, how do we deal with technology that affects so many of us and not always in positive ways. So we're going to find out about it today with author, speaker and family advocate, uh, advocate uh, Josh Straub. Josh has two cherished roles as a husband to wife, Christy, and dad to uh, Landon and Kennedy. He serves as a marriage and family strategist for LifeWay Christian Resources and is president and co-founder of the Connection Group. It's a company equipping leaders, business organizations, and churches and family wellness. Josh and Christy are on the line with us today. Josh is author of several books or co-author of several books, including A Safe House, How Emotional Safety is the Key to Raising Kids Who Live, Love, and Lead Well. We're going to reference that. They also put out a, a DVD series not too long ago as well, called The Screen-Balanced Family, Six Secrets to a More Connected Family in the 21st Century. Boy, I think we all want to find out about that. So, Josh and Christy, welcome to Connecting Faith. Good to have you on. Thank you. It's an honor. Thanks for having us. So let's start. uh, We're going to talk about Safe House and get some definitions of that. But let's jump in and talk a little bit about what's going on with the technology today. I think, you know, parents are probably all asking the question, how do we set limits on technology in our home? Let's just start with that. Yeah, that's the big question, isn't it? Yeah, we, um, so I'm going to start with this because the conversation can tend to go in a negative direction and, and I certainly don't intend it to do that. However, I think it's important that we do talk about what research is showing as it relates to how uh, to screens are impacting um, our kids' brains, not just our kids' brains, but our brains as parents as well. And I want to start with a story, that I, an illustration I typically use, because I think it's important to, to set the tone. And, and when I'm speaking on this, I ask people how many people uh, do not drive a car because they think that they're evil. And uh, I've never to this point had anybody raise their hand that, uh, that they don't drive a car because they think that they're evil. Because cars get us from point A to point B. They're, they're, they're handy. They help us stay connected with family, and they get us to work and to and from. And, and so cars are great things. But the first car was mass-produced in 1908. Henry Ford began you know, the uh, Ford automobile Model T Ford in 1908. 
And it wasn't until 1949 that standard disc brakes were introduced onto an automobile. And then it was uh, three-point seat belts five years later, and then there were air, you know, all the way up to airbags today, padded dashboards. Safety measures began to really take uh, precedent as it related to the automobile industry. However, it took 41 years for brakes, standard disc brakes, to be introduced on the automobile. And I, I use this illustration to say, listen, cars are not all bad, but without brakes, they take lives. Technology is the same exact way. It's not that technology is all bad, but if we wait 41 years to begin to put brakes on technology, right. we could lose the emotional and spiritual lives of an entire generation. And we're beginning to see that even now as it relates to the research and what it's doing to our kids' brains. You know, that that phrase just kind of caught my attention, that we could lose the emotional and spiritual lives of our kids. I mean, I guess somehow we don't think of it in those terms and think, well, yeah, we, they could develop bad habits or uh, that's a that's a pretty uh, startling statement. Say more about that. Um, the reason is because so there was actually just an article that came out last uh, two weeks ago in the Atlantic um, called Are Smartphones Destroying a Generation? And uh, the researcher's name is Dr. Jean Twangy, and she's at a, a University of California, San Diego. And one of the things that she's finding over the last number of years is an increased anxiety and depression in our kids' generation. So from kids that uh, have, do, have grown up not knowing anything but screens. So these kids were typically born in 1995, 1996, and later. Um, they, they, they started to hit 10, 11 years old at the rise of the iPhone, at the rise of the smartphone. And so they have never known anything but that. And so what's happening is we're seeing um, just epidemic proportions of anxiety, anxiousness in kids today. And what's happening is, is when you wire your brain for relationships, it becomes wired for relationships. When you wire it for screens, it becomes wired for screens. And one of the biggest, um, one of the other factors in this isn't just related to our kids and their screen time. It also has to do with us as parents and our screen time because our screen time and us being on the phone is actually impacting our kids' brains as well. And I was just going to say, I mean, to speak for the moms, I mean, I know how much time I spend on my phone. I mean, really, that's where we as parents, it's kind of like our, what used to be our big, you know, calendar that you kept by the phone yeah. <laughs> that kept everyone organized and getting places on the right time. I mean, we use our phones now, and so much of what I do is on a screen. I mean, you're looking at Pinterest because you're, you know, doing a recipe off of there, and you're texting with a friend about what the kids need to wear for the next school day or whatever. Um, and what they have research has actually found, and it's what kids are seeing basically is the backside of a phone or the backside of a, of a laptop screen. They're not seeing our faces, and they're having a hard time getting their parents' attention. And what it's come to be called is a state of continuous partial attention. So even as grown-ups who think that, you know, we're the ones supposed to be imposing these real strict rules about technology on our kids, honestly, it starts with us first. We have no um, – I think we're very unaware of how much technology has taken over our daily lives and really how much time we spend on it. And we're really we're living in this continuous partial attention where we're very rarely paying full attention to one thing because we're multitasking and 
moms are famous for this, and quite truthfully, we need to do it to survive. But when our kids are trying to get our attention in the middle of it, they're trying to tell us about something, they're trying to ask for something, they can't get our full attention, it's actually causing anxiety and depression in them. It's more, and again, like Josh said, this is not something that needs to be the super negative, heavy, I mean, you start to get into the research and it does feel kind of heavy and scary, but I think what we're realizing is it doesn't have to be. It starts with awareness, just like anything, just being aware of what it's doing and that it, it could be harmful. And so, okay, let's take some proactive steps. Let's kind of monitor how much we are on this, you know, how much we are putting on the screen more than more than we need to as a babysitter and how we can just start putting on some breaks. Yeah, and I just – to that point, uh, to Christy's point there, you know, you think about it, and, and I think this is what, what she said is being aware, and I think it's so critical because, I mean, I've had this happen to me. I know Christy's had it happen to her where our kids will say, can you get off your phone? No, put your phone down. Put your phone down. And, you know, if you're a parent listening, I'm, you know, and, I mean, I think most parents have had that happen. And for a lot of times, a lot of times we don't even recognize that we're on it. But what happens is, is, is imagine just as an example, our daughter, she's, she's three years old, and she'll run out and she's got a new dress on or she's just put a dress on and she'll come out and she'll twirl around and she'll say, Daddy, look at me, look at me. And if I'm on my phone, I mean, you can imagine a little girl just wanting her daddy's attention to say, you are beautiful. If we're on our phones, what happens is, and, and they don't get the response that they're looking for and the t- attention, the full attention of us as parents, as Christy was talking about, what it does is it inhibits the pleasure system of the brain in a child. And so, you know, we're not just making this stuff up. Like research is showing like the pleasure system of a, of a child is actually suppressed in the brain when the child's coming up and saying, Mommy, Daddy, look at me, or Mommy, Daddy, I need food, or Mommy, Daddy, I need this. And they're, and they're being shut down over and over again, and the phone is taking precedent. And so that's where the increased anxiety is happening and, and, and depression in kids because the pleasure system of the brain is shutting down. And so I think it's just important that we as parents begin to think about not just our kids and putting brakes on for our kids, especially as we hit the teenage years, but putting on brakes for us as parents as well. In the moments ahead, we're going to learn more about how we can create the kind of environments, as uh, Josh has written about in his book, Safe House, how emotional safety is the key to raising kids who live, love, and lead well. And we kind of let off with uh, one of the big issues, and that's just the use of screen time. They've also put together a, a DVD series called The Screen Balanced Family, Six Secrets to a More Connected Family in the 21st Century. So we talked a little bit about uh, some of the the why we need to set those limits. Uh, In a moment, we'll talk about maybe what limits to set and maybe how to set them appropriately and get more into uh, what does it mean to have a a safe house. Uh, Josh and Christy Straub served together in uh, providing uh, encouragement for uh, families. Josh is president and co-founder of The Connection Group. It's a company equipping leaders, business organizations, and churches in family wellness and The book that we're referencing is called Safe House, and we'll talk more in a moment here on Connecting Faith.
You're listening to Connecting Faith. Josh and Christy Straub with us. Uh, Josh has, is an author, speaker, family advocate, and I guess, you know, Christy certainly is as well. They they have a family, and they've, uh, they do a lot of... Uh, of broadcast podcast together and their Facebook live broadcast reaches some tens of thousands of families. Uh, they've, uh, they've created uh, 22 sex parenting and it's an online community of parents uh, offering discipleship tools for their kids. We're talking a little bit about uh, their uh, screen balanced family, six secrets to a more connected family in the 21st century. And they've also written safe house, how emotional safety is the key to raising kids who live, love and lead. Well, we talked a little bit about some of the why to system limits, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, before we kind of dig in more to safe house, what limits to set? Say a bit about what those should look like if there's some practical takeaways. Absolutely, yeah, and when we talk about screens, um, we mean, when we say the word screen, we mean anything from, uh, you know, texting to video games to watching television, uh, you name it. It's a screen, when I say screen time, it is, it encompasses all those things, and so one of the things that I think it's important to be aware of is, well, first of all, let, let me state this. The chief executive officer or the chief technology officer of eBay, as well as executives at Google, Apple, HP, and Yahoo, all send their kids to a nine-classroom school in the Silicon Valley. It's called Waldorf Schooling, where technology is completely omitted. Uh, Bill Gates only allowed his daughters on the Internet 45 minutes a day. And they weren't allowed to have a cell phone until they turned 13. And even when they did turn 13, they were only allowed to use it as a phone. Steve Jobs didn't even allow his kids to use an iPad. So if the people people creating these devices are protecting their children, the question I ask is what do they know about it that we don't as parents? And I believe it has to do with creativity and imagination. Research says over and over and over again – that the more that we are involved in the screen, you think about what screens do. They're created to amuse. Well, when you put the letter A in front of a word, it negates its very definition. So the word muse means to think deeply, to meditate. The word amuse means to, to not think deeply, but to be entertained. And when we're constantly and we allow our kids to constantly be turning to screens, what happens is, is we're entertained, what I believe is into a creative impotence. And so when I talk about our generation and what's happening to this generation emotionally and spiritually, um, it impacts their creativity. And so when I say screen time, just just listen to this for one second. I think this is why it's important to put on breaks, and I, I definitely want to get to that, um, like beginning to what breaks to set. And, and I think as, as we talk about what breaks to set, um, I'm talking about different age brackets. And so children under the age of five – Get near get get un, children under the age of five get four and a half hours of screen time a day. Now that's screen time a day, four and a half hours. That is forty percent of their waking hours. Children between the ages of eight and eighteen are getting anywhere between eight and eleven hours a day of screen time, according depending on which survey you look at. Eight to eleven hours. College students are at almost eighteen hours a day. Now, some people say, well, how in the world is that possible? It's because of double screening. So if you're texting while you're watching television or you're, uh, you know, you're on two screens at one time or maybe even three screens at one time, that's compounded screen time. So that's why it's so high. Um, when you think about how much time our kids are sitting on the screens, it's so easy, even if you're a parent, to see how quickly that time has passed. And so 
one of the ways that we have done this in our home is we have first set it within our marriage. So some of the breaks that we put on begin within our marriage. And I think it's important to talk about what breaks do we set as it relates to different age brackets, but it begins with us as parents first. So the first thing that we have is what's called an ENUP, an electronic nuptial agreement in our marriage. And that has been huge for us because we came up with this because we realized how much the phone was coming in between the two of us. You know, we joke, but I mean, it became that it's not wasn't just us. It was our friends. It was everyone was complaining. You know, my husband's on the phone. Like we go to bed and he's he's you know looking at ESPN scores or he's um, you know catching up on work emails. And the wife scrolling Pinterest or Instagram and, you know, watching Instagram stories. And it's all it's doing is it's just dividing us. Yes, we're in proximity, just like you were talking about, Neil. I mean, we're, when we're in the van with our kids, I mean, sure, we're in proximity. But are we actually communicating? Are we actually connecting? No. And it was happening the same in our marriage. Um, it was often the first thing we'd go to in the morning um, before even talking to one another, before even spending time with the Lord. I mean, it was last thing we would do before bed and so we came up with an enup and that's what um that was our word for it and but we actually wrote it out and we so it was an agreement we came to so we agreed to one 24-hour fast from technology a week and that was just a time for us a lot of what we do is online and social media as well so we just needed a way to put just to stop (laughs) just to push pause to get back to real life to being outside, to playing games, stuff that did not happen on a screen. And so we chose, we go from Saturday sundown to Sunday sundown, and we just turn off all our technology. Um, We will watch movies together as a family sometimes, but um, we also chose to do no screen time during meals. So that was a great one for us. Um, That's become a pretty hard and fast rule, just so we talk around the dinner table or the breakfast table before everyone goes to school and work. and then we also do no screens at, during the four key times of the day. When Moses talks about um, in Deuteronomy 6, where um, he talks about, you know, as you walk along the way, when you rise, when you go to bed, and as you eat your meals. Um, so we we try to keep our phones off during those times. So that was part of our enough. And that can look different for every couple. But it's something that we, and actually it's available on our website, drjoshandchristy.com. Um, you can just download that for free um, and just tailor it to you, your, like you and your husband, you and your wife, um, that something that works for your family, um, it does not need to look like what ours does, but something that you've come to agreement on. And really what it did, I think for us, would you say, Josh, like it just cut down on the arguments about it because it was something we'd already agreed to. So if you kind of get caught, you know, you're like, whatever, you have your phone beside you at dinner time and you start texting or something. <laughs> Uh, there's something that would be like, hey, I mean, you've already agreed to it. I've already agreed to it. And there's less defensiveness and argument. Um, so that's one thing that um, we put breaks on for us that has really set the stage, I think, then for our family and then our kids to follow. Well, I just like that. That's just that uh, just as you said, it it just encourages us that, hey, you know, we can do this. We can actually set limits and, and it would be okay. And I would just think it, it would reduce maybe the tension level thinking, you know, I know there are times where, right. where, you know, couples are just going, Hey, you know, um, put down your phone here. We're on vacation or something. And, you know, there's, there's times to just set it aside and it's all right. Exactly. Yes. We, we, and we discover this as it relates to even not just couples with kids, but 
even similar to yourself, you know, during the empty nest years, you know, have grandkids and, you know, marriages all across the board um, we've experienced are, you know, couples saying we really need an enough. I like it. The, Dr. Josh and Christy, uh, dot com is the website. You can uh, find a sample of that ENUP and other great resources as well. We're talking today about the Screen Balanced Family, Six Secrets to a More Connected Family in the 21st Century. Yeah, that's a, a video series, and they've also, Josh has also written Safe House. It's how emotional safety is the key to raising kids who live, love, and lead well. And now, just before we, we get just a minute or so before we take a break, but is, are there some age-appropriate things, maybe in terms of some of the limits, the, the what and the how that you want to talk about before we take that break? Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, one of the exact, you know, especially for kids under the age of five, we just really need to be aware, especially in the first five years of life, especially in those first two years, uh, we recommend uh, the AA, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends zero screen time for those under the age of two. Keep in mind, this is when the brain is growing the most rapidly. And so, you know, sometimes it's, it's often difficult to keep a screen away uh, in those first two years of life. But um, we highly recommend if there's any screen that's happening in those first two years of life, maybe a Daniel Tiger episode or something like that. But we really would recommend over those first five years of life, our kids, we don't give our kids an iPad um, when they're on their phone. If they get our phone, we let them look at pictures for about five minutes, and then we take the phone away. So we're really careful about what our kids are being exposed to in those first five years of life. And I would just really uh, set those limits um, well. And then uh, especially as our kids start to get a little bit older, uh, they're going to want screens. And I think it's really, really important to, uh, based upon their maturity level, similar to dating, you know, uh, you know, when, when's the appropriate age to allow your child to start dating? I think it's the same thing with screens when you believe that they're mature and ready. And, and part of that is having the conversation, which I think is something we'll get to here just a little bit in our conversation, but um, setting certain limits and inviting your children into what those limits are uh, is really, really important. You know, it's, um, it's being able to understand why they want to be on the screen but then also being able to communicate with them why you want to protect them from it as well. So, again, this, this conversation as it relates to what it looks like, what limits to set, I think are unique to each family. But what we have to keep in mind is that we're not trying to raise kids uh, where we're policing them all the time and overprotective. We really want to become digital mentors to our kids so that when they leave our home as teenagers, they are already able to implement uh, limits themselves because the reality is this anything you cannot fast from owns you and i would venture to say that very few people can actually say i can fast from my screen for 24 hours and that's why we really recommend a sabbath from the screen for a 24-hour period each week talking today with uh, dr josh and christy straub about uh, about the screen balanced family six secrets to a more connected family in the 21st century you can find out more about that and their other uh, work together at the uh, the connection group as well as the uh, 226 parenting uh, they have an online community and uh, you can go to drjoshandchristy.com and we'll talk more with them in just a moment here on connecting faith You're listening to Connecting Faith. I have a great conversation today with uh, Josh and Christy Straub. Uh, 
Dr. Josh Straub is uh, author, speaker, family advocate, and uh, he he founded uh, president co-founder of the Connection Group, and uh, he and Christy have also developed created the Twenty Two Six Parenting. It's an online community of parents offering discipleship tools for their kids, and they host the In This Together podcast, and their weekly Facebook Live broadcast reaches tens of thousands of families. Josh has also written several books, including Safe House, How Emotional Safety is the Key to Raising Kids Who Live, Love, and Lead Well, and that's really what we all want. They actually, they have children, so they know what they're, uh, they can practice this at home, which uh, which they do, and it's why they do their videos uh, at night when the kids are in bed, I think, and how it goes, <laughs> I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, guys, I do want to maybe, you know, broaden out the picture a little bit, and we, we'll talk more about you know, screens and technology, but uh, I'm interested in just the title of your book, Safe House. Uh, maybe we can back up for a little bit bigger picture. Define what a safe house is. What does that mean? Yeah, so basically the idea there is that um, when we first became parents, we were overwhelmed by the amount of just advice and parenting strategies that were out there of how to discipline and how to speak to your kids, how to, you know, do you protect, do you not protect, do you breastfeed, do you bottle feed, do you homeschool, do you private school, uh, you know, do you spank, do you not spank, you know, you can't even leave the hospital before you have to decide if you're going to give an immunization. And and so you're, you're overwhelmed when you first become a parent by all this stuff that's out there. And a lot of it is by marketers trying to make an extra dollar as well. And so through the research and through counseling, uh, counseling experience, um, I started to see over and over and over again this one particular uh, uh, construct that just showed every time what we're looking for in raising kids is emotional safety. And for every major outcome we're looking for in our kids, it linked back to feeling safe. It linked back to um, a child's ability to calm down when they're under stress and be able to think through appropriate, um, appropriately the behavior they need to take next. And um, and so really it's uh, the way that I describe emotional safety is it's the posture from which we parent, not the techniques that matters most. Uh, in other words, uh, and, I'll, and I'll give you a great example of this. Um, I was working with a dad of a 14-year-old, and, and this goes well with the technology piece too because, you know, when we talk about setting limits on technology, this is really what it, what it comes down to. This is a very similar example. I was working with a dad of a 14-year-old, and – she came home from school and she wanted to go to a Friday night football game. And as she, uh, as she came home, she asked her dad if she could go to the Friday night football game and her dad said no. And she looked at him and she said, dad, I hate you. And she ran to a room and slammed the door shut. And uh, the, the posture of emotional safety way that I describe it is not punishing negative emotion. So basic emotional safety is saying we're going to value emotion in our home. Now we're not going to let emotion control our behavior, but we are going to value it. And so the posture of emotional safety, the way I describe it, is it's not punishing the negative emotion by pointing your finger in her face and saying, don't you ever speak to me that way again. You go to your room and I'm taking your phone for a month and no, you're not going to that Friday night football game. Um, It's also not minimizing that negative emotion by going, you know what, it's just a Friday night football game. Who cares? Uh, The posture of emotional safety is not dismissing it either. You know, don't be mad at me. Uh, the posture of emotional safety, when I speak on this, is the ability to get down on a knee, lean forward, and be able to say, listen, what is it about that Friday night football game that matters to you so much? And what he, what he found out is that his daughter had been rejected by a group of friends that she was hanging out with the prior school year, 
and she would see them posting pictures on Instagram and Snapchat of them hanging out without her. And this was the first night they invited her to be a part of something, and her dad said no. And that's where the anger came from. That's where the I hate you, the slamming the door came from. And so the way that I described the posture of emotional safety is the ability to lead in grace and follow up in truth. When, when we lead in grace, and, 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 and the, I use one phrase, it's the golden rule, in order to be understood, we must first understand. So take the golden rule, do as you would do unto others or treat others as you would have, uh, have them treat you, and replace it with the word understand. In order to be understood as a parent, we must first understand. And this is how it goes into the area of technology as well. You know, in order to be truly understood as to why we want to put brakes on technology and on limits, we have to first understand and listen to our kids, understand why they want to use it. If we don't and we just come down hard on them and we lead in truth and not in grace, but we just come down hard and lead in truth, what we do is we create a relational wedge between us and our children. And so it's very important that we first lead in grace, follow up in truth. And I think um, probably a lot of people going, well, hey, listen, you know, she can't get away with that behavior. That's the point of following up in truth. Uh, but the posture of emotional safety is first being able to calm her brain from the anger and the anxiety because she's feeling anxiety about her friends and saying no to her friends and saying she's not allowed to go. She's feeling rejected by her friends, and all of a sudden she's feeling accepted, but her dad's saying no, and now she's angry at her dad and pushing all that anger onto her dad. And if we try to lecture our kids when they're emotionally overwhelmed, it goes in one ear and out the other because human beings are not wired to think when we're so overwhelmed and anxious. We, uh, and, and of course, we've all experienced the eye roll. We've probably done it our, uh, ourselves a few times with the kids, you know, the eye roll. Okay. <laughs> yeah. here's, here's Dad's sermon number 42. Let's uh, just sit and listen and roll our eyes. Uh, you know, you, you talk about we're not wired that way. I know you, you've done a lot of, uh, in your counseling work, I mean, and there's a lot to be said about you know, science, brain science, and how it actually, how we are wired. Say more about that. Help us understand, you know, how, you know, our, our brains work when we're in the, in, when we're not in an emotionally safe space. Yeah. So I, I think Paul was the first neuroscientist, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christians will sometimes go, Hey, you know, we got to shy away from this science stuff. But I think the science stuff just really, really highlights the creativity of the God that we, that we serve. And, you know, Paul in Philippians 4, he says, you know, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, I think Paul understood there, when we're anxious, our brain, what research shows is that our brain grows from the bottom to the top, and the top part of the brain is the uh, or the bottom part of the brain is the amygdala it's like the fight or flight response that you often hear about so when we're anxious or we're overwhelmed we immediately perk up and we're ready to fight or flee or a lot of times uh, soldiers you'll see freeze you know if they're experiencing some type of trauma or ptsd you know you could also freeze in this moment and so the higher functioning parts of the brain which are are known for problem solving uh, cognitive flexibility, emotion regulation, the ability to not go from zero to 100, you know, like a temper tantrum like a toddler would throw. The reason toddlers throw temper tantrums is because their brain's not fully developed. Um, you know, and even self-control, which is fruit of the spirit. I mean, it, these are the higher level functioning parts of the brain. But a lot of times when we're overwhelmed and we're anxious or we're angry, we, we don't think straight. We don't have um, 
self-control in those moments. And that's what we're trying to build in our kids. And so the reason every major outcome that we're looking for in our kids, you know, whether they're to get married and stay married, to um, to uh, have good grades, to do well in extracurricular activities, to get a job and keep a job over the long haul, to love their wife or, or their husband one day in their marriage, like to get married, stay married, and enjoy the marriage. All of these outcomes are connected to emotional safety in the home because it's emotional safety. It's that environment that is the breeding ground for kids to think straight. And I think it's why Paul then, and he does. it's not until the next verse that he says, finally, or therefore, brothers and sisters, whatever is pure, true, noble, praiseworthy, excellent, think on these things. When we're stressed and overwhelmed, we have an, or we're anxious. We're not thinking straight. And in that light, I believe God has given us as parents to become in a finite way a piece that can help calm our kids' brains so that they can think straight. And, and, and to connect it just quickly to Ephesians, um, to, to Ephesians chapter 6, where it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word nurture and admonition there really means to counsel or to help bring our kids to a proper mind so that they can think through what God would have them to do. I think Eugene Peterson says it so well in, the, in, in, in his message, in the message version. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. So it's leading in grace, but then it's pointing them in the way of the master and it's following up in truth. That's so good to... Josh and Christy Straub, my guests today, we're, we're talking about uh, how emotional safety is the key to raising kids who live, love, and lead well. That's the subtitle of their book, Safe House. Uh, Josh and Christy uh, have uh, developed, uh, created the 22-6 Parenting. It's an online community of parents offering discipleship tools for their kids. They do a, a weekly podcast. Uh, they've developed a uh, DVD series called The Screen Balanced Family, Six Secrets to a More Connected Family in the 21st Century speak and teach and uh, you can find out more at their website drjoshandchristy.com we're going to uh, continue the conversation in just a moment i encourage you to stay tuned to connecting faith we spent time today here on connecting faith talking with josh and christy straub and just a great conversation to start out talking about the technology use screen time and you know some of the challenges there but that's just part of really the, the core issue is emotional safety and what that looks like and we got into a bit about brain science and understanding you know of, uh, God's word how that applies I guess I'm just wondering if you know all that we've talked about you know science and neuroscience all those things that is it really just a matter of, I think, uh, looking at the book, the, the question, am I worthy of love? Is that the core kind of for every child? Is that is that what's kind of driving them? Yeah, so, and, and research asks that, research shows that in the first year of life, our, our attachment styles, our relationship styles are developed within the first year of life. And basically, um, we're born with this, and, and I love how, how it just connects to Scripture so clearly is that we're born with this, um, uh, asking these questions, unconsciously asking the questions, am I loved? Am I um, worthy of love? Am I, am I important? Am I needed? Am I wanted? Um, 
And the way I describe really sum up all these questions is, is am I safe? Uh, can I trust the people around me to love me? And, you know, it goes, I believe it goes back to First um, John 4 where it says we love because he first loved us. That our ability to truly love other people and step out into the world um, is directly connected to our ability to feel loved. But first by the Heavenly Father and then by others. And um, you see, as a counselor, I see over and over and over again, people who, who have a hard time loving other people were usually not loved very well early on in their lives, or they haven't experienced a true love um, from a parent. They grew up in a broken home or that type of thing. And and this is something that I really, this is where, this is from an evangelistic standpoint, this is really where we introduce people to Jesus and say, man, you've got a God who absolutely adores and loves you, and and you lead people to him, and, and they experience a love like they've never experienced before. That's really where, um, if we can connect that early on, and research shows over and over again, it, emotional safety is exactly also linked to an outcome of a faith that sticks. And, and this is secular research showing that when we raise our kids in a home that is marked and modeled by love and affection, that kids grow up in a faith-filled home. If they grow up in a faith-filled home of love and affection, that that faith will stick um, Later on in life, this is seen in Sticky Faith. Uh, the researchers out at Fuller, um, you know, they they found that warmth, warmth was a key to having a sticky faith as well. So we're seeing this in the research over and over and over again, and it's just, we just think it's absolutely critical. Yeah, and I just just to echo what Josh is saying, you know, I think as parents, you know, if you're listening to this, it can often feel like, oh gosh, here's another thing I have to do. I have to be emotionally safe. I don't really know what that is. Like, I kind of get the gist of it, but that feels heavy, especially like, Neil, we said to you this morning, I mean, we just sent off our youngest to school uh, her first day, and it was just, it was a lot. <laughs> it was an emotional morning, and there were tempers lost, and there was a lot of tears. And what I think the saving grace is that research has found if you can get this emotional safety thing right, just two out of five times, so two out of five, you are still going to get the outcomes that you are looking for, you are hoping for, you are fighting for in your kids. And I think for all moms and dads listening, that is the breath of fresh air. That is the grace that we all need to take a breath and think, I can do this. And I would just say, I mean, I know this is probably a new concept for a lot of people. It was for me. Um, you know, Josh is the one that was in all this research, and then I've learned vicariously through him. And we've kind of been on this adventure together and learning how you messily apply this in your own home. But I would just think we, we have a podcast called In This Together because we are in this together. We are raising our kids alongside you. We would love for you to come alongside of us as we try to figure this out. And we speak to a lot of, get to interview a lot of amazing couples um, who are uh, you know, they're authors, speakers, musicians, you know, whatever they're doing in their life, but they're raising families, they're um, battling for their marriages. And um, so come, if you want to listen to In This Together, we can we get into a lot about screen time and emotional safety. You know, we can get into more detail there that we can't obviously talk about just in this um, short time. But um, that's been a really good place for us to kind of flesh out what it does look like day in and day out. Mm-hmm. 
You know what, and we'll make sure we're given uh, all the uh, connect points, the addresses, the websites, all those things coming up in a moment. But uh, I'm just wondering, you know, how how much does our upbringing influence our parenting and can we break the mold or the cycle? And, you know, do we need to be transparent with our kids about, you know, our maybe bad experiences? Uh, talk a little bit about that, maybe some encouragement for parents that, you know, didn't have it all together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, and I think that's what's... Um What's fascinating about what Christy mentioned here, you know, the two out of five times that, um, you know, one of the biggest reasons for that is, you know, secular research says that a word called repair is the ultimate of relationships. It literally calls it the ultimate of relationships. And the Bible calls it forgiveness, and it tells us to practice it a lot. We're going to mess up. We're going to um, say things we regret. We're going to yell. And a lot of that comes out of our own um, being raised. Um you know, a lot of times we either parent the way our parents parented us or we go to the opposite extreme because we don't like the way our parents parented us. But we do these things without even thinking about it. And one of the – the journey for me really started um, early on. I did a genogram, and you basically look at your family tree, and you kind of see some family patterns. And I started to see relational patterns. Um, really, as you describe it, as sins of the fathers passed from the third and fourth generation that I knew I needed to break and uh, I was seeing in my own life. And for me, it led me to counseling. I went to counseling for two years in my early 20s and just really spent time trying to figure out, you know, how I could um, begin to become healthier as I grew in Christ. And, um, you know, I think for a lot of us, you know, some of us need to go back and forgive our parents. Some of us are holding a grudge maybe against our parents. Some of us, uh, you know, maybe you can't, maybe your parents are too unhealthy to reconcile, a, you know, to reconcile a relationship, but maybe, you know, you need to set a boundary there but maybe you're harboring unforgiveness that you need to forgive. And uh, sometimes that can be writing a letter. You don't even need to send it, but you write a letter. Um, uh, journaling, we, I, I describe journaling as a great way to begin to kind of piece your own story together and, and, and rewrite your own story as a parent because our stories as parents impact our kids' stories and how we're raising them and how we interact with them. And so we find ourselves flying off the handle a lot easier. We find ourselves... Um, saying things we regret a lot, and, and we just feel like we're not getting it right, it might mean that we need to take a step back and do some journaling and, and take some time to really, uh, maybe it does require counseling, uh, it, it, that we just take a step back, and, and maybe it's just a group of friends. This is what I believe the church is really good for. When we get involved in a good, healthy church, and you have fellowship in a community group or a small group and, 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 and other parents that you can just process with and, and say, hey, man, I, I need help with this, or, you know, th- this is what the church is all about. It's coming together to support one another's parents to be able to raise kids who live, love, and lead well. And that's our heart. That's with the In This Together podcast, like being in this together. That's what we really just encourage parents is to say, listen, there's no shame. Like we have all have our hang-ups. We all have our issues, um, and we're going to mess up. But at the end of the day, when we do, we can seek the forgiveness of our kids and say, you know what, I'm really sorry. And um, and I just think it's 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 a great um, – it, it, it's it's scripture being lived out. It, one of the uh, the questions that you talk about in your uh, – I think is maybe the Screen Balance family is, is how do we know I have my child's heart more than the technology does? And I'm just interested maybe just to reflect on that, uh, you know, regardless whether it's technology or anything else. How do we know that we have our child's heart and, uh, you know, kind of bring some encouragement to that? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I would say this. One of the things that we do, I had a, um, 
mom of a uh, of a 12 year old boy um, come up to me after speaking a, a little while back, and she said, you know, she said my son is he's learning um, he's learning to rap and he's writing rap music, and she's like, I don't know what to do about it. She's like, I'm really you know nervous, and um, she's like, I just don't even know how to connect. And I said, well, I just walked her through some questions, and I said, well, is he you know um, hanging out with with kids that he shouldn't be hanging out with? And she said, no, you know you know bad company preps good character. And she said, no, he's not. He's, um, you know, he, he's got good friends. And I said, was well, he listening to any music that is, um, uh, you know, degrading to women? Is he listening to music that he shouldn't, you know, bad lyrics? Uh, what type of music is he listening to? And she said, no, he's listening to Lecrae, which is Christian rap music. And, and I said, well, then I only got one piece of advice for you. Learn how to rap. <laughs> you know, like enter his world and pursue his heart and pursue his passions. A lot of times we'll allow technology or we'll allow our kids' interests that we're we're not interested in them. We don't know anything about them. We don't understand them, and and so therefore we withdraw. Uh, I would say you know pursue your kids' interests. Uh, it, I wrote a blog post one time called "Why We Should Play Video Games with Our Kids," and you've heard me you know talk about technology here, and now you hear me saying, "Well, play video games with your kids." The biggest. Um, cry I hear of dads at father-son events that I do is dads will say, I just wish my son would stop playing so many video games. And privately, on the other side of the room, the sons are saying, uh, the biggest wish I had is that my dad would play video games with me. And so I just think, you know, whatever our kids' interests are, we really need to be pursuing them and getting into their world. And we, because that's how we win their hearts. And, 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 and I would just say this to, as the as last piece here, the four key times of the day. I believe the single greatest key time of the day is, you know, that Deuteronomy 6 talks about that Christy mentioned earlier, in the morning when we wake, when we walk along the way, which is drive time, meal time, and bedtime. I'm telling you, tuck your kids in the bed at night as much as you possibly can. It is the most vulnerable part of their day. It is the time that it, and it only takes one time. You could be laying with your kids or tucking your kids in the bed for three years, and they never mention a word. But it only takes that one time because they know you've been there over and over and over again for them to say, Dad, Mom, can I tell you what happened to me at school today? It only takes that one moment. And I'm just telling you, it is the key time of the day to really get into the hearts and lives of our kids. We want to be in this together. We need each other. And we've got some great resources available. Thanks to uh, Dr. Josh and Christy Straub. Uh, Josh, talk about, uh, and Christy, give us uh, websites, information, uh, how we connect and find out more. Yeah, you can find us at drjoshandchristy.com. Uh, we're the same for Instagram, Facebook, um, just Dr. Josh and Christy. You can find us there. Um, we do a, week, a weekly Facebook Live, um, but probably the best place to point you is to the podcast, In This Together. Um, you can just search that on Google Play or Apple iTunes, um, and yeah, we put out an episode once a week. Um, so we would love to just do life alongside you. Well, it's been so encouraging today. Thank you for your good work, for your uh, honest uh, vulnerability, and and the encouragement that uh, we can we can build strong relationships with our kids, and that we uh, we can show. Uh, warmth and love and, and grace and, uh, and truth all mixed in. Dr. Josh and Christy Straub with us today. Uh, they've written the book Safe House, How Emotional Safety is the Key to Raising Kids Who Live, Love, and Lead Well. And you can find out again more on drjoshandchristy.com. 
Guys, thanks so much for coming on the show today, and blessings to you. Thanks so much, Neil. Yes, thanks for having us. Do you need some ideas on how you can help your kids grow in their faith? Hi, I'm Steve Douglas for Making Your Life Count. And for Deborah Buckingham, including little notes of nourishment with her children's lunches proved to make a big difference. When they were in elementary school, I used to write these little love notes and index cards, and it basically was a Bible verse personalized for them. And I would pop it in their lunch bag. And, you know, many times they threw it away with the celery sticks. But oftentimes I would say at night, hey, did you read your nourishments today? And they would say to me, Mom, how did you know? That's exactly what I needed for that day. And, of course, it was the Lord who knew what they needed. And it kind of grew into a little ministry because their friends would say to them, well, can your mom write me a nourishment? We can never underestimate what God can do in people's lives when we share His Word. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today with Josh and Christy Straub. Some great insight on how we can be more effective in passing the faith along to our kids. Uh, by the way, if you want to listen to that uh, full interview, you can find it posted on the Connecting Faith show page at MyFaithRadio.com. It's MyFaithRadio.com. Just click on Connecting Faith. And, Ted, uh, we can be like uh, Susie talks about, be a radio missionary because That's everything's right. shareable. It is. Yeah, easy to share the audio files of full shows at MyFaithRadio.com for any program. Check it out under programs at MyFaithRadio.com. And pass it on to a friend, someone that could benefit from the great programming available here on Faith Radio. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this Connecting Faith podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Connecting Faith, you can subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the awareness and impact of Connecting Faith.